Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Go to our Bibles right now and get in the word of the Lord today. I believe it's the devil's focus to make us feel unwanted, unloved, uh, not accepted, not accepted, our identity to be all messed up, who we are, amen. But tonight I want to talk to you about being secured in our identity with the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I am persuaded, convinced, believe, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. No height nor death or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, I'm persuaded that nothing external can separate me from the love of Christ. Amen. So tonight, secured and an identity based on faith. Lord, we love you tonight and we praise you, God, for the chance to study your word. Help us, Lord, in this study tonight to feed your people, Lord, but also to connect with you and your word that we become, Lord Jesus, more firm, Lord, more convinced, more persuaded than ever before that we are secure in you, in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. You can be seated, secured. The faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ is unlike any other religion, any other message, any other doctrine. Your faith and my faith stands alone and it doesn't waver. There is no, let's all get along. Jesus said, narrow is the gate, straight is the way. He said, I am the way and the truth, not a truth, not a life, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it is by that faith and by the assurance of salvation through that faith that we can have an identity that is secure. I'm not going to be abandoned by him. When I make a mistake, he's not going to abandon me. When I have uh, faults and failures, he's not going to abandon me. When I'm attacked from the outside, he is not going to uh, abandon me. 
It is that faith that we have to have a persuasion today that I am truly born again and death can't stop this. Life, how many know that life happens? We call it all kinds of stuff. Life happens, uh, but life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, amen, is going to be able to separate my identity in Christ who he says I am, and who I am in him. So by faith, we can be secure in knowing that I've been born again of water and a spirit. I'm heaven bound. I have been filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm covered by his name. And I got a feeling that I am going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Turn to somebody and just tell them, I want you to know everything's going to be all right. Hebrews 10, says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, convinced. The devil wants to make us feel wishy-washy, left out uh, uh, un, un, uh, in a place that we just don't measure up, uh, but Christ wants us to feel full assurance. I am convinced of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. It matters what you say. It matters what you believe without wavering, for he is faithful to promise. Amen. So I have been born again of water and a spirit. You have been born again. You wear his name. You wear his name. His blood has been applied to your life, amen, and you have received grace upon grace, manifold grace of God. The Bible teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith, hallelujah. Look at this, where Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it's okay we have some word tonight, Uh, let's get some word in us tonight, Therefore, being justified by faith. I am justified by faith because he said that I was clean. He calls me clean through his name. He justifies. It's just as if I had never sinned by faith. I got to believe that. My past, he erased. The devil wants to go drudge it up, bring it up, and talk about it, and tell about it, but by faith I believe in what he said. Your sins will be uh, uh, removed as far as the east is from the west. Amen. That means they are always. You can you, you can go north and south, and then go. You can go north and then go south, but you can never go east until you've gone and then turn and go west. There is a complete separation here. Amen. So we find being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we also, whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. That's what we're standing on today. We're standing by faith on the grace of God that he saved us. He gave us his name. I have been born again, and I can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Why? 
Do we have to, we, 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 we worry about the things of this life? Uh, amen. Well, if you're secure in Christ, it's not an outside, it's not an event, it's not a situation that can ever separate you from the love of Christ. Uh, you can stand in his grace. Uh, I don't know about you tonight, but I need to stand in his grace. Uh, that is my identity. That is your identity. Well, pastor, I'm not good enough. That's why it's grace. Uh, I, I, I'm not holy enough. Well, that's why it's grace. Amen. I don't believe in a greasy grace that you can go and live any way you want to, but grace teaches us to live godly. By his grace, I want to live godly. So in his grace, we stand. 2 Timothy 1.9, who hath saved us? And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He had grace planned for you. He had grace planned for me. Amen. He had a holy calling planned for you and planned for me. And he gives us everything we need. His grace, his word gives us everything we need to be able to answer that holy calling. Amen. It's not about that I am perfect or that I'm always right. No, sir. But it's about am I standing in that grace? His grace secures you. It holds you fast. Amen. His name holds you fast. We are secure in his grace. I want to put a, a disclaimer on this message. When I talk about security, I'm not saying that we can never, never be separated from God and lose our salvation, but we will never lose his love. We, we can walk away but he has promised us that no external force, no outside force can separate us from the love of Christ. Now, we can decide to walk away, amen, and his grace and his mercy says, okay, then you get what you deserve because if you walk away from the Lord, then you receive his passive wrath, as it were. But grace of God is if, if, if I'll stay in him in, in, and decide here, I'm going to live for you, Lord, and I know through the ups and downs, through the ins and outs, through my failures and my shortcomings, oh God, I'm secure in you. Aren't you glad for repentance? Aren't you glad that you can come back to the Lord and say to him, Father, I messed up again. Read Romans 7. That's an entire chapter of an apostle that says, man, I hardly ever get it right. I feel very good when I read Romans 7, Brother Carl, because I know if the apostle Paul had to deal with flesh and work over his flesh, I'm in good company. But thank God he didn't stop with chapter 7. He began in chapter 8, an answer of the question of 7. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. Hide me in you, Lord. Hide me in you. Thank God that we can be secure in him. The classic definition of grace is the unmerited favor towards sinners. Grace is a gift. Grace has no limit. It has no measure. The goodness and the favor of God is inexhaustible. The same grace that saved you will be the same grace that keeps you, 
It keeps you not only because you have been born again, but it'll keep you all the days of your life. That's the grace and favor of God. I couldn't earn it, but oh, he gave it. Grace does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Now, the grace of God does not mean that I just stand there and just uh, receive it, sit there on my throne, eating off the silver tray platter of grace, and just live my whole life. No, it's grace also teaches me to be obedient to God. Grace teaches me to love him in the right way, to follow his word. In a, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Amen? Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. That's grace. <clears throat> According that as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us, what? Accepted in the beloved. Grace makes us accepted. I don't have to demand exception. And say, I, I choose my identity now. I demand you accept it. No, I am accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted in the body. I am accepted in him. I am accepted by his grace. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what your past was, who you were, what you have done. Amen. Grace puts you in the place of acceptance. Now, that's an identity that is secure. It's accepted in the blood in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Bishop Walls one time wrote about this grace, and I love what he had to say. He says, though we do not deserve it, grace extends to us the goodness of God through the forgiveness of our sins. Can we just thank him that he forgave us? Can you just thank him right now that he forgave us? Of our sins. He forgave us of our sins. He went on to say, Grace always comes before mercy. First, there is grace, that which loves us in spite of who we are and what we are. Then there is mercy, the resources which all well able to meet the need, resources which are well able to meet the need of the sinner. Thank God for his grace and mercy. I'm standing in that today. I'm standing in grace. I had rather err on the side of grace and mercy than on on the side of judgment. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened, made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sin, which in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the culture of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the demonic forces, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among also, we, have, we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." 
Now, I want to tell you today that, there, that we're blessed to be secure in him. We're blessed to have his grace that doesn't exempt us from dealing with this old flesh. We still have to deal with the flesh. We still have to t- deal with tendencies of having bad motives. We have the, a tendency of being selfish. We have tendencies uh, of doing things that are unpleasing to him. We still have to deal with that flesh. But he gives us grace to stand in that so we can say, like Paul, there's no condemnation because I'm walking in the spirit and not after the flesh. The flesh wants to dictate. The flesh wants to tell me how to live. But oh, praise God for his grace. It holds me fast. What would we do if we didn't have the grace of God? How would we survive knowing what we've done, knowing how we've lied, knowing how we've, how we've, how, how we've created things and did things that were evil and wicked? But grace says, I'm going to keep you secure, and then I'm going to help you overcome the flesh. Once was a part of the children of wrath. You know, that flesh is that part that, has anybody driven in Seymour lately? I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Louisville. Y'all, we need a loop around Seymour. It is one messed up mess. I'm not talking, they got the construction done for some part of it anyway. And that flesh is what rises up in us when we say, I'm going to blow my horn. I'm going to toot right at him. I'm going to say a word. I'd like to tell him something. That's the flesh that rises up. But grace says, calm down, Gil. Be quiet. Keep your hand off the horn. It's going to be all right. You're going to get there. Yeah. Can't you just come on? That's what I say. Would you just go? Well, there's a lot of tra- I don't care. Y'all can go. Let's go. I love Medora because our worst traffic jams happen when the cows get out. Can you thank the Lord for that? But that's the old man. That old man that rises up can pull us aside. But Grace says, I'm, I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back to understand that, hey, don't act like that. That's how we used to act. But look at the brilliance of grace in Ephesians 2 and 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in, uh, with Christ, for by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a worksless man should boast, for we are his workmanship. He puts, it's not that works are not a part of it, it's not the resource. 
Your works is not the resource. Your works is not the, uh, uh, what, what gives you that, that standing. But once I'm standing in grace, which is the gift of God, then I can say we are his workmanship created in Christ unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God wants to show us his exceeding, excellent, surpassing, abundant grace and then help us live in that grace. Not under law. Grace lifts us up to the place where we should we, we could never go by ourselves, but it lifts us to that place so we are secure in him. Grace is revealed as the eternal kindness of the Lord. It saves us. It's a gift. It helps us walk in ordained works. Amen. I thank God that we can stand secure in the fact that he is able to hold us fast. In the time of the storm, grace keeps me there. In the time of trouble, grace holds me there. I am secure in him because it's a gift, not my works, but it's a gift of God. And because I am secure, I then can do good things for Christ. <clears throat> he loved us so much that he gave us grace. Nothing can change his love for us. That's astounding. Have you had anybody that you, for whatever reason, had to walk away from and could love no more? He loves us unconditionally. He loves us radically. This is how radical the love of God is. Romans 5 and 8, but God commended his love toward us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's his love, for God so loved the world. It's his love that led us to, to receive him through Calvary. It was the love that held him to the tree so you can be secure. Hallelujah. God loved us and pursued us when we were not worth loving. Anybody here? I still, I still understand today that I'm not much to love, but he still loves me. He still loves me. Amen. <clears throat> we tend to see love through the confines of human understanding. Love then looks through the lens of condition. It looks through the lens of temporary. Amen. The love of God is not just for a moment. It's secure for your life. It's secure. He can love you when you're two, and he can love you when you're 102. He loves us. Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting, an everlasting love. He loves me with an everlasting. Well, I messed up so bad, and I, I did. He, he loved you, and he kept you. Amen. He brought you through. That's an everlasting love. Therefore, with love and kindness, I have drawn thee. It's his love that draws us. He woos us. Aren't you thankful for the wooing love of God that when we get off mark, when we get out of, of sorts, his love draws us back. I am secure in Christ because of his grace and because of his love. The thing about grace is it's not, it's, it's kind of like, like water and what Pastor Dylan was teaching on last Tuesday is that you got water that stands long enough it becomes 
stagnant, stale. The grace of God is meant to progress in our life, to grow in the grace. And I know, I know I'm talking about things that you have heard and will continue to hear. Don't let it be minimized. Don't let grace ever be minimized because you've heard about it or you talk about the love of God. We need a daily dose of his grace. Amen. Peter put it like this in 2 Peter 3 and 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grace needs to grow in our life on a daily basis. I love the fact that grace is available for what is needful and when it is needed. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. For God is able to make all grace do what? Abound toward you that ye always, somebody say always, having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. There's grace that is whatever the need, there's grace for it. Whatever the situation, there's grace for it. His grace is always enough. Amen. His grace is always sufficient. Whatever you need, whatever day it is, whatever the situation, his grace is enough. His grace will hold you secure no matter what you are dealing with. Somebody say praise the Lord. There, there is an identity enemy that we have to deal with. We have grace and we have law. We have grace and we have legalism. Legalism is a bondage, not a liberty. Legalism. One of the trouble spots in the apostolic movement is our pursuit of holiness can equate with the pursuit of salvation. If I do X, Y, Z, and if I don't do A, B, C, I'll be saved. I'll make it to heaven. The more holy, quote unquote, holy that we are, then the more saved that we are. That's legalism. Okay? That's legalism. <clears throat> The repercussions of this theology has been devastating because people feel like if I mess up in, in, in these areas, I've lost my salvation. You might eventually, but it won't be because of just the external standard. It'll be the sin that caused it from the inside out. Far too many have mistaken Sanctification are confused. Sanctification with justification. Justification is salvation that it comes through the blood of Jesus, baptism in his name, and the infilling of his spirit. Sanctification is the process by which we are to become more like him, more like Christ, that we grow into that, that sanctification. <clears throat> the result is a generation we have seen that should be free 
is bound by fear because of inappropriate theology. I have witnessed people in my life that are baptized in Jesus' name, have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they feel so unsecure in Christ because they've allowed legalism that as long as I do this to be their equate to salvation, that equals salvation. I'm going to go into it a little bit clearer for you. Far too many are living like the Israelites in the wilderness. They're not living in the freedom that God rightfully gave them as they exited Egypt. They have been redeemed through the Dead Sea, the baptism of the Dead Sea, the giving of the law, but they continue to be oppressed because they are thinking like slaves. In the New Testament, Galatians 3 and 3, Paul talks to a group of people in Galatia and he says, are you so foolish? Now, he didn't go to the Dale Carnegie How to Win Friends and Influence People seminar, did he? He said, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now made perfect by the flesh? Legalism is trying to please God by the flesh. That same thing that tries to pull us away from God, we think we can be perfected by what we do in our flesh. Your security and my security is not based upon what we do in our flesh. Legalism is attempting to keep a list of laws and rules that we think will earn us God's favor and keep us in good standing with him. It produces an identity that is based on performance rather than relationship. If I perform this way, and if I do this, then he accepts me. I'm accepted because of his grace and his love, not my performance. Somebody say amen. Amen. Legalism becomes a rule-keeping basis for favor and spiritual victory. What saved us? What is it that saved you and me? What is it that washed away our sins? If I keep the Ten Commandments, does that wash away my sins? If I am a good neighbor, does that wash away my sins? If I wear only the right kind of clothes and the right length all the time, does that wash away my sins? If I happen to wear white after Labor Day, am I messed up? Have I committed an unpardonable sin? That's the the notion. Are we saved by our human effort? Are we saved by our ingenuity? Do we see God as Savior or do we see ourselves as Savior? See, that's what legalism brings us into is that I have saved myself because I do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and when somebody else doesn't do G, I can get them. I'm preaching a lot lot more than I'm hollering right now. It's about knowing that I am secure in him because of what he did. 
And because of what he did, if I mess up, I have an advocate with the Father. Not redoing something that is a law that oh, I messed up, but I got an advocate with the Father and then he gives me grace. Now after that, I will continue to try to do my life in a way that pleases him. And that's not legalism. That's grace. You see, the law is not the problem. Standards are not the problem. The problem is that what we do with them that makes the problem. <clears throat> legalism doesn't exist because rules exist. A lot of people say, y'all are, are legalist people because you got rules and you got standards. No, sir. If you want to know a rule and a law, go read what Paul or what Moses received on Mount Sinai. Now that's, that's some rules and some laws. God is God of rules and laws, but the rules are not the problem. The law is not the problem. Incorrect thinking and misunderstanding God's grace is the problem. Can I get a witness? Legalism sees grace as earned and not a gift that is given. If I do this, I earn God's grace. Can I just tell you, you could cover up... <coughs> You can cover up your body from head to toe and still go to hell. Never say a cuss word and still be as lost as lost could be. Amen. There are a lot more, there are people in our world who are not Christ followers that dress more modest than a lot of apostolic dress, and it does not save them. Only the blood of Jesus, only Calvary saves us. Only what he did for us on the cross and an empty tomb saves us. Oh, but praise be to God, we understand that that same grace, we don't throw the law out, we don't throw the rules out, but now grace empowers us and encourages us to walk holy and righteous in this present world. Amen. But legalism will present an, an, an aura of I'm better than you. I am more holy than you. Does that theology produce grace or guilt? Guilt. When we tell someone they can't be saved unless they quit drinking, stop cussing, Men stop wearing, ladies stop wearing. They can't be saved until they've done that. Then we've already made legalism the goal and not the grace of God. There's a lot of people, there, there was a day where it wasn't very far between church culture and the world culture. Now there is a chasm as wide as the Grand Canyon between church culture and world culture. Amen, and, 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 and crossing from that position to this position, it takes grace. Not only grace on God's part, yes, but also grace on the brothers and sisters that grew up in the day when there was such a narrow distance between the way the world dressed and the way the church dressed, the way the world act. Now it's way out there, but thanks be to God, the same grace that helped those that only span a little Distance is going to help the same people that's got to span the miles apart, but that is the grace of God. Amen. I cannot stop doing something and then be saved, but I can be saved and stop doing something. 
Look at Galatians. Again, Paul's talking to this, this group here and in a church that was dealing with this legalism issue. He said, I marvel, Galatians 1, 6, I marvel. You blow my mind. That ye are so soon removed from him that called you into what? Grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, I, I love my apostolic brothers and preachers that have used this verse over and over. Bless God, if you're not doing the apostolic way, if you're not, if you're not doing... They have flipped the very meaning of which Paul was intended to give. We have often used this verse to cover any style of deviation from an apostolic message. What Paul was addressing was a group in the Galatian church that had fallen back into legalism. Paul was specifically dealing with a bunch of super spiritual Hebrews called Judaizers. These folks attempted to bring the Gentile believers under the Mosaic law and thus produced legalism. Legalism seeks to remove grace from the gospel of Christ. The gospel of grace does not renounce personal holiness. It enhances it. It teaches us. I, I, I want to reiterate that grace is not a license to dress anyway, live anyway, talk anyway, go anywhere. It is not a license. Go read the first of Romans where Paul said, God forbid. But we've got to understand where, what we're standing in. We're not standing in Christ because we don't do something. We are standing in Christ because he loved us and he gave us grace. I had rather see somebody that live it because of grace rather than a law. Because that's what we stand in. The result of trying to please God, as these Judaizers did, please God through the law. I mean, hundreds of years, the Jews tried to fulfill the law, and they couldn't because there was needed to be an agent called grace, the Holy Ghost. There was need to be redemption to help us then deal with the, the law. But these that seek to please God through legalistic terms, the vast majority of them, the vast majority of them live, lead a joyless life. A joyless life. That's not in Christ. That's not in Christ. Amen. So how does one combat the oppression of guilt and legalistic living? Run to grace. Run to the grace of God. Run to his unmerited favor and receive what he said I give you. I love you, I forgive you, and I give you grace. Quite frankly, when we begin to discuss the law, and I'm working one of these days, I don't know exactly when I'll be ready to start teaching it, I want to teach a series where we go through the entire book of Leviticus. It is one of the most 
difficult reads when we're going through our Bible is Leviticus. Can I get a witness? Here's what I know is that Paul said the law is spiritual and I'm carnal. And a carnal nation tried to fulfill a spiritual law and messed it up. They couldn't fulfill it. But also, as Paul, I think it's in a text that I have here uh, a little bit later on, he says the law is the schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. It's the schoolmaster. In that day, they had a person whose job was to go with the student and take the student to school. Not just a bus driver, but was there to make sure they were learning, that they were taking care of what they ought to be taking care of in school, and then would bring them back home. That's what the schoolmaster was. The law leads us to Christ because we see Leviticus and we think, I cannot do that. But the law does not lead us to legalism in a spiritual sense. In a carnal sense, yes, but in a spiritual sense, the law is designed to lead us to Christ. Why? Well, let's, let's talk about that. Is this all right? Y'all with me? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? You got to know what you're standing in. <clears throat> Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus speaking. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth passes, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, listen to this, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The most spiritual people of that day were the Pharisees. They were the apostolics of their day. New scripture, love God passionately, follow the rules. But several times, through Matthew, Jesus, Matthew 5, Jesus presents a standard of living that exceeds the law. He talked about anger being an equivalent of murder. The law said murder. Whew, Jesus said anger. All right? Talking about exceeding the righteousness of the Pharisees. <clears throat> the law talked about adultery. Jesus said, if a man lusts, looks on a woman and lusts after her, he has committed adultery in his heart. Which is more stringent? Anybody? Which is more stringent? <laughs> it's not a trick question. He talks about divorce and marriage. He talks about taking marriage to the next level. He talks about swearing an oath, taking it to the next level. He talks about taking revenge and hating your brother. 
how to treat your enemy. All of this was next level. It was, it was greater. It was a higher standard than the law. So Jesus came to teach us that grace has a greater standard than the law. The law brings us up to that grace. The difference between the law and the legalistic Jews that were trying to fulfill the law is that they did it in their flesh, not understanding that it was a spiritual law. But now we have the Holy Ghost inside of us and we have the grace of God in us so we can identify, yes, it is better not to lust in your heart and look at a person to lust after them because that, I see where that is. And, but we can follow the standard of grace even though it is greater and more stringent than the law. So when somebody says, all that law was done away with, well, first of all, not true. It was fulfilled. What was it fulfilled in? It was fulfilled in the standard of grace. It was fulfilled that not only are you going to do greater things and perhaps have a higher standard, you're going to do it by the empowerment of my grace. I'm going to give you favor to live this. I'm going to give you favor to live this. We are now new creatures in Christ. We are not under the dominion of the law, but we are now under the dominion and the rule of Christ. Greater standard. But his rule is higher than the law. But how can we measure up? I'm standing in him. I'm standing in grace. So we have a new focus. Notice Paul said in that chapter 7 of Romans that I talked about a while ago, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead, wherein ye were held, and that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Legalism serves in the oldness of the letter. Grace serves in the newness of spirit. Luke 1, 74, 75. That he, speaking of Christ, would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him, how? Without fear. Law, legalism, serves with fear. There's a lot of men of God that's going to stand before the Lord and give an account for their harshness not, not wrong for being harsh, but harshness in the way of presenting legalism as the standard of God's works. But we are to serve him without fear. Why? If I mess up, I go back to grace. If I mess up, I go back to grace. How many in this building has ever messed up? How many of us have ever done something wrong? How many of us, even after we've been born again, spoken tongues, and the Holy Ghost came, and, and, and we can quote Acts 2.38, John 3.16, and half of the book of Revelation, have messed up. Messed up. That's why if I'm standing in legalism, I got to work my way back. But if I'm standing in grace, I have an instant reality of God's mercy and his grace in my life because he is the one that can forgive me. We've mentioned in this text, Romans 7, 14 through 25, Paul 
if, if you think of that text as a song, I think of it as a song in a haunting minor chord. It's full of difficult questions. It's full of inner conflicts and intense personal struggle. I mean, what, what do we do with language like this? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this body? Does anybody remember a message I preached? I guess I need to preach it again. I will not be able to use Brother Austin like I did years ago. Anybody remember I preached a message on the body of death? I told about what that meant. Is that the Romans had a cruel, cruel way to punish people is that they would tie a dead man to a living person. And they would have to carry that dead man on their back. See why I can't do Austin now. But that death grows into that life, and that life begins to receive that death. That is the vision of what Paul is saying. Who can deliver me from this body of death? How can I, who's going to separate me from this? It's old future life and these, these things I deal with. Well, let's read it. He doesn't stop with seven. He goes to eight, and he says the verse that we've quoted. Let me just read a little bit further. There is therefore now. I still got that problem. I still got the flesh. But there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are what? I'm standing in him. I'm standing in him who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law, listen to this, we're talking about two different kinds of law. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ had made me free from the law of sin and death. He took the death off my back. He took death off my back. I said he took death off my back. Can you thank the Lord today that he did that for us? Oh, wretched man am I. But he took it. He took it. For what, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness, somebody say the righteousness, the right intent, the right design of the law might be fulfilled in us. Wait, Jesus fulfilled the law, but it's fulfilled in us. What the Lord gave to the Hebrews, including Leviticus, Numbers, what, what he gave of the 300 or 613 laws that he gave has some kind of connection to us spiritually. I know that the law is divided into three different areas. Uh, you have the ceremonial law, you have, uh, you have the civil law, and then you have the moral law. And, and a lot of people only think that the moral law has anything to do with them. But let me just tell you, there are some things that God has put in his law that was meant to be spiritual. 
It's not necessarily about I go and do, try to redo like the Hebrews and do what they did and, and, and eat what they eat and, and have the locations of things and all that. It's not about that, but it's looking at it through the eyes of the Spirit because Jesus said, I fulfill the law, and then Paul said, you can fulfill the law because of the righteousness of him is in you. And when you stand in, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. When you stand in the righteousness of Christ by grace firmly planted there is that you can fulfill the intent. Somebody say the intent. What God really designed to do. You may not even can read and understand the law, but the intent by the Holy Ghost now we can live it. Oh, praise be to God. There's the freedom that we so long for in this hour is that I'm not trying to force my way into acceptance. I'm accepted by him and then empowered by him to fulfill the law. The law is a regulating principle. The spirit is a governing authority. There's a distinguishing there. The child of God comes under the law by the power of the Spirit and the example of Jesus Christ. Romans 9 and 3 reminds us that the law is weak in the flesh. It is impossible to avoid condemnation, guilt, shame, and fear if we attempt to override grace by our flesh. Since God was the author of the Mosaic Law, the law in itself was holy, spiritual. However, man rendered the law powerless because of flesh. It is impossible for a man to live or to gain freedom over sin by obeying only the law or the whole nation of Israel. The Pharisees included would have found salvation. But because they were stuck in their vision of the law and legalism in the flesh, they missed Jesus. Aren't you glad that he found us? I said, aren't you glad that he found us? I'm glad that he found me. I don't live under the condemnation of the law, but I live under the power of the Spirit. And by his Spirit, I want to fulfill the righteous intent of the law. And I can be secure enough in him to stand in him and do it and live it by his power and by his grace. Oh, thanks be to God. And when you stand in Christ and when you're not standing in condemnation, it's a whole lot easier to have grace for other people that are not where you are that don't know what you know, that hasn't experienced uh, a conviction or haven't experienced with God in a, in a certain way. Oh, but grace says, come on. Come on, let's go. Let's go to Christ. Let's get better. Let's love harder. Amen. Let's be holy. All right. The landing gear is coming down. We're about to wrap this up. Jesus Christ came in flesh, just in the flesh like any other man. There was one big difference about Jesus Christ. There's a lot of differences, but there's one big difference. Is that his flesh had no sin. He was a man, but he did not receive life from the seed of Adam who had sinned. 
but he received life from the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. Mm. For 33 years, Jesus never committed one sinful act. He could have, perhaps, but he didn't, because the Bible said he was sinless. He never lied. He never stole. He never swore. He never uttered a wrong word. His flesh was sinless. Jesus Christ was the first person in all of human history to meet all the requirements of the law. He kept the law. He fulfilled that in his life. Through his spotless life, Jesus condemned sin in his flesh. Oh, wait a second. You didn't get that. In his life, Jesus in his flesh did everything under the law and then said, fulfilled. Fulfilled. Not a human being before that. From Moses all the way down to Malachi, there was nobody that could fulfill the law in their flesh. But Jesus did. That's enough to make a mummy shout, as Fred Gill would say. He accomplished this as he walked among men. Sin was once and for all condemned. He condemned sin in the flesh of our Lord. And then he took it and nailed it to the tree. Woo! And he said, whoever will see the Son of God lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And like the snake that Moses raised in the wilderness, if I look to hit that, I will find life. If I look to Jesus, I can say in him, I can fulfill every righteous intent of the law. Woo, praise God. That's why I need to know that I'm secure in him because of what Jesus did in his flesh. The righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in us. That is grace. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> Again, Galatians 3, 24 and 25. This is what I mentioned a while ago. Got ahead of myself and mentioned it, but let me, let me read the scripture. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. <laughs> Why? Because he's the one that fulfilled the law in his flesh. That we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. What does that mean? I don't need the law to go along with my life every day to help me get to Christ because I am already in Christ. Lord, help us to get this today. Help us to get this today. I want to remind you today that he has you. He loves you. And who will separate you from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, <clears throat> famine, nakedness, peril or sword? 
The Bible says, for we are killed all the day long and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Sign me up. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. And that's where he says, I am persuaded. Paul, who was beaten, jailed, stoned to death and come back again. Amen. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principality, or powers, nor things present. Somebody say now. Nor things to come. That's tomorrow. No height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing external has the power to separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing external. It's a trick of the enemy to make us think we must constantly prove ourselves worthy of the love of God. God's love is secure. His grace is secure. When we declare that if I do holiness standards as my salvation, we are slapping Jesus in the face because he did it on Calvary he did it in his flesh fulfilled it in Calvary amen anybody here been crucified I can't be crucified for myself I'm I'm, I'm killed all the day long yes and I'm going to follow him and take up my cross yes I get that but I can only be set free by his cross by what he did and so today I stand in him secure. I am secure. I am secure. Say it with me. I am secure. I am secure. Ladies, it's not because of your dress, your hair that makes you secure. It's him. But it's your response then that says, I will live that in honor of that grace and by his grace. Men, it, 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 it's not because we don't cuss anymore. We're not, we're not uh, uh, hollering and, 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 and kicking the cat and the dog like we used to. We, we're free of that anger. It, 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 it's not that. It's that I am secure because of his grace. Not what I do, but because of his grace. Can we thank him right now? Let's lift up our voices in praise to him. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that I am secure in your grace, not in my performance. Lord, not in what I do. But God, I am secure because of your grace. You love me. You gave me grace, Lord, and extended mercy to me. I thank you, Lord. I did not deserve it. I do not deserve it. I do not deserve it today. Lord, and I thank you, God, that I can live under this understanding that there is therefore now no condemnation. Lord, we still wrestle with the flesh, but we don't have to live under the condemnation of the flesh. There is a place that we can run to in mercy and grace. Lord, I praise you today. Lord, I praise you today. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.